Radio TFS, episode number 76. Hi, this is Martin Woodward. This is Greg Duncan. And this is Paul Hacker. Hey, Paul. It's good to have you on the show. Yes, it is. It's <laughs> great to be back, guys. It's been a while. Indeed. So uh, we're back from build. And uh, Paul, do you want to kick it off first? Some, some sad news to begin with, unfortunately. Yeah, we do have some sad news to begin with, unfortunately. But I, I, um, I wanted to bring it onto the show because I'm sure there's a lot of our listeners that may know the individual. Um, there was a technical evangelist with Microsoft. Um, he had been actually for eight years. His name was Dave Bost. He was based out of um, Chicago. And if anybody is in the Midwest listening to our show, he's probably come to your user group uh, over the past eight years at least once and spoke and you know, this, this is an all-around fantastic guy. I mean, as genuine as they get, a mentor, uh, a teacher, uh, everything that you could think of. And, and and the world was a great place with him. And unfortunately, Dave passed away this week. And uh, it's really with a heavy heart, you know, because it hit home with me because I've known Dave for many years. Uh, I've I've had him mentor me. Um, it's just really hard. And I just thought the technical community should just take a minute and kind of remember one of their own. So that's really all I had to say about that. Yeah, indeed. And uh, he's on the, you know, if you listen to the Thirsty Developer podcast, he'd been, he was on there as mm-hmm. well. And, um, yep, hey-ho, what can we say? He was a, a friend of a show, as indeed, he listened to Radio TFS as well. So thoughts to the family yep. and friends. Yep. Um, Greg, on uh, how about we, we're back from build. We've, uh, I, I've recovered from my jet lag just about. <laughs> You know what? What I wanted to do is I was listening to last week's show and, and thinking about my comments and stuff. And in reflecting on it a week later, I I am much happier with Build, much happier with Microsoft, much happier with the direction than I think I was than I realized at the time last week. Uh, so you, you filled upon the Kool Aid, have you? Pretty much, yeah. I, I guess I've finally metabolized it, or you know, what, whatever, uh-huh. and. Um, uh, yeah, maybe it was just too much too fast last week, and I, and I wasn't well, getting We haven't it, but... subjected you to an epic three-hour keynote yet today. Maybe we should do that <laughs> for more days. But, you know, what I did is when I got back is I uh, uh, wrote up a couple internal posts for people at work, and I gave a couple sessions to, to share what I learned and stuff. And, and as I was going through it and sharing, I'm going, wow, this was actually was pretty interesting. And I get their feedback, and they hadn't watched any of the keynotes or, or anything else, so I had to distill three days into an hour and a half, which was a challenge. Um, but even then, you know, it, they got excited. I see their eyes started lighting up, and I'm like, oh, you know, build was awesome. And the stuff that came out was awesome. Was it perfect? No. There were some holes that, 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 you know, line of business stuff that I whine about, which will probably very likely be addressed at TechEd if I had to bet. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I want to apologize to the audience out there if I sound like, you know, Debbie Downer or something about build and, you know, uh, the day one stuff. Um, in reflection, I, I think I have to take that back. It was awesome. <laughs> It was the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> and have you got update one installed? Well, sorry, what I call it update one. I shouldn't. That's I'll, I'll, I'll get I'll get my yeah my chipping plan hit me. Did you get Windows eight one update installed on your on your? Uh, uh, very ironic. My son is back. Everybody knows my my son is in the process of deploying to Afghanistan. Well, he was in pre deployment at Fort Hood. Luckily, far away from everything that happened at Fort Hood, um, and he's now home for a four day pass. And next week, he actually goes to Afghanistan. So last night, I picked him up. 
And while waiting to, to go to LAX to pick him up, I had a couple hours. So I started deploying update one to my surfaces and my little Acer thing. And then I started looking around and saying, hey, I've got these old machines that have Windows on them. So I, I spent basically all last night. And then when I got home today, updating everything. Some of these machines had, you know, Windows 8.1 preview on it. One actually had, it was that build, remember that build Acer that we got, that yeah, the way it had loads of gadget, it had loads of sensors inside it or something. Like yeah, that. yeah, that one it was still Windows 8.0. So yeah, I've been on a update binge, and now every device, every Windows 8 Plus device is, has update one, and um, I'm loving that. I, I, yeah. I really, there are so many nice little touches in there for keyboard mouse users. That uh, yeah, it's pretty awesome. So one of the things we, we wanted to talk about uh, last week that we didn't really mention, and this was great demoware, um, but it's also great like real world wear, is the browser link feature. Yeah, Mads did demo that during the keynote, and he did a great job, I thought, during the, was it this, it was the second day keynote, wasn't it? Yeah, and that one was one of those uh, audience moments where everybody in the audience, audience went, oh, wow, just, just, oh my God, that is awesome. Um, and big round of applause in the, what was cool about it. We've seen the feature. We saw it last build. Whereas when you made, um, because in Visual Studio 2013, Signal R is built into it. You start up and debug a web project. And Scott Hanselman demoed this last year. You made a change in Visual Studio to that web page and it showed up in the browser without a refresh, without anything else. It just automatically happened. At build last week, the day two demo, they showed somebody going in in Chrome and using the dev tools in Chrome and they made a change there and that change got reflected back into the project in Visual Studio. So it was a two-way browser link communication and that was pretty darn awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. It was, I was like, oh, I, I will be using this, you know? <laughs> now, yeah, it's funny. Web. I was down in Mobile speaking, and I saw the guy before me was talking about Visual Studio and ASP.NET, and he was demoing something like that, where he was actually updating in the browser with the dev tools, and it was updating in the code, and the code was then updating the browser without – it was just pretty, pretty wild. Yeah, it's like it's actual magic, is what it is. I was I was really impressed. So yeah, that was the thing I wanted to call out as well. Yeah, it was really good. So uh, last week, Martin, when we recorded, you were mm. you had the next day was your uh, build session. How'd it go? Uh, yeah, it went pretty well. Got quite a lot of laughs. Lots of people filled out the emails, which I, I greatly appreciate. One of the I'm not sure if people know this, but you, at all these um, the the sessions and things, we ask you to fill out emails, and sometimes we forget and stuff. But um, the comments i you know i read all the comments and there were some great comments come back it was really nice so i'm uh, really grateful for everybody that dropped by the session and uh, filled out comments i think it helped that i bribed everybody with free stickers if they did an email so I, i'm completely out of stickers now i need to get marketing to order some more but no it went pretty well we'll put a link in the show notes um so it, i did a deep dive into git with tfs and you know it was a I don't know, you, did you watch it greg it was a proper deep dive did you see any have you seen any of it the first part of it okay really yeah when you when you're getting out when you're showing hexadecimal codes, you know you know you're in for a good talk. <laughs> like yeah, oh, yeah. So when you're using Vim and on hex codes, it's like yeah, baby, this is a good session. So it's definitely no, I enjoyed it. It was good fun, and I was doing it with my uh, good friend of mine, uh, Ed Thompson, who I've worked with for a decade now. Uh, me and Ed worked. Ed came over from Team Prize with me, and uh, we've worked together for a long, long time. So you know. 
we know each other very well. So I think some of that natural, you know, the abuse between Dev and PM carried off from <laughs> from uh, from all these pent up aggression came in, and uh, yeah, it made for quite an entertaining session. Enjoyed it. Enjoy. Audience were good as well. So yeah, it was a very good session. Um, one thing I want to mention, if we're mentioning that session, uh, there was um, had great fun on Twitter yesterday because um, some guy in a conference in Oslo was talking to somebody who turned out was an MVP and misunderstood what they were saying and then went on Twitter with saying, uh, Microsoft phasing out TFS version control repository and moving to Git. Unofficially confirmed at a TFS presentation today in Oslo. First lesson for everybody. If it's not somebody, if it's unofficially confirmed, then it's not confirmed at all. Okay, we'll probably mention that kind of thing to people. And uh, second, obviously, that, you know, that's completely untrue. I'm, I, I am the Git guy, as everybody knows. But you know, TFEC is not going anywhere. Um, it's, uh, you know, we've added Git to TFS to give people extra choice. We're not taking anything away. The whole point is to have more choice. So it was just funny how like one tweet from this guy. Um, I think it, and then he had like 34 followers or 33 followers or something. And then for some reason it spread like wildfire. I think it, I, I'm wondering if part of it, part of it is because it's, you know, it's a good line. Right. The other part was like, I don't think, I don't think there's obviously a bunch of people we haven't reached yet to let them know that Git is in TFS 2013. And so in, in, in one way it was good because all those people now know. And then another thing is um, the subversion guys. I don't know if you know, but they did an April Fool's Day joke where they had they raised a work item in their Jira repository to uh, say that they were going to convert you know their SVN source code for SVN into into a Git repo. And uh, so um, that was a good April Fool's Day joke, which tri- which tricked a few people. And then this on the tail of that, I think, was just too good to be true. So yeah, it spread around the internet like like wildfire. And uh, I'm glad to say, or sad to say, depending on your point of view. Every version control model, we, you know, we've got all three version control models in TFS, and they'll they'll be staying for as long as I'll be working on TFS. That's for sure. Hey, Paul, how about you? So I spent a good part of last week and weekend setting up a lab management server. So it's just a demo oh, yeah, environment. You've been, you've been you've been blogging a storm as well lately. Yes. Um. So um. And I'm not a big blogger, so when you say that, that means I probably posted like twice in a week. Um, <laughs> um, but I was setting up this lab management server, and I've done this in the past, and I was setting up a demo environment because I was going to go Monday morning and demo it to somebody. And um, I kept running into this issue um, when I was trying to get the environment set up correctly. So I go into, if you have no lab management, you go into the lab center, you, you create an environment, and it prepares the environment. And this thing kept failing on me. And I couldn't figure out why it was failing. And and, and so what I, I started looking around and I found this post. I was getting this TF259641 error. And, and I found this post that said it was very obscure. And it said, if you go in and you change the qtcontroller.xe.config file and you actually bind it to an IP address of a NIC, you will get this to work. And I thought, that's ridiculous. I only have one NIC. <laughs> so so how is this gonna you know why should i have to bind it to my nick i mean if it was more than one nick i could see it maybe it was getting confused but i went into this config file and i bound it to a nick i actually backed it up first and then i then i bound it to a nick and and what do you know the thing started working i've never had this issue before in lab management and i just thought you know i'm sure somebody else has probably ran into this and beat their head against the wall trying to figure it out because I beat my head against the wall trying to figure it out. And I know there's a lot smarter people out there than me that might have figured it out. But I'll tell you, I found this really obscure post somewhere out in the ether. And 
what do you know it worked? And so, yeah, I was able to get the, the lab management up and running in, in minutes uh, after that. That's, it's a post like that that's exactly the reason I started blogging. It was for if I couldn't find something in Google or Bing in like 10 seconds and then I eventually figured out how to do it, I would blog it so that when I tried to search for it again, I'd be able to find it again. So <laughs> exactly. A, a great post. Yeah, no, cool. I've never seen that either. But then again, yeah, I've not had to. I've only set up lab management about three or four times, I think. So cool. Um, so, uh, Nino, uh, Loge did a, 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 another good blog post. Um, he covered the differences between uh, Visual Studio Online and TFS, you know, on-premises. It's something, um, I'll be talking a bit about, um, at TechEd, actually. Uh, it's, you know, kind of when I'm doing my Visual Studio Online talk, this is one of the things I talk about. He's actually got a better graph, which shows you more differences. So I, I think I'm going to steal that and put them in my slides for TechEd. So if, if you go over to Nino's blog, we'll stick a link in the show notes but uh he you know he's officially the oldest tfs blogger did you know that no yeah he was the, he was the very first tfs blogger oh, so not back old when it was, as in uh, old but old as in longest oh, okay. exactly <laughs> as in, yeah 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 not as in the most elderly definitely he's not 97 he was older than old. me man if he was yeah, older than me i was gonna say man he looks pretty darn good for being that age i i have genes <laughs> that are older than nino so that I still consider new. Yeah. Anyway, but um, yeah. So yeah, he's got a good chart about um, uh, the differences between uh, Visual Studio Online and TFS. It's actually a question I talked to uh, you about this, Greg. It's one of those questions that was coming up at the booth a lot. Mm-hmm. People are actually getting, um, you know. Visual Studio Online is getting, you know, really useful. And so people are asking, you know, the differences and things. And there are very, very good reasons to stick with TFS uh, on-premises or even TFS from a hosted provider like yourself, Paul, um, you know, than going for Visual Studio Online. And so it's trying to explain what those are. So, um, yeah, it's good. Um, uh, Paul? Yeah, so um, Martin, again, you are out with a book. And Mickey, who many people have heard on our show before, I'll, yeah, um, maybe he'll come back on the show now he's finished the book. How about yeah, that? yeah, no, yeah, exactly. And um, of course, Brian Randall and Mar- Martin Hinshelwood uh, and Brian Keller also took part in writing the new ALM book for Visual Studio 2013. So if you've seen the ones in the past for 2012 <clears throat> or in 2010, um, you know, it's uh, it's a great book. Uh, it gives you everything you need to know about ALM using the Visual Studio tool set. And it's written by people that are subject matter experts. In, in my eyes, these guys really know what they're talking about. And, and so, you know, when you get this book, you're getting some quality. You know, you, sometimes you see people write books and they put them out there and they're not always fully comprehensive and and, and they miss some pieces. And, and these books, I, re, I reference them a lot of times when I'm putting together a talk or when I want to know something, I'll go and I'll use it as a reference. So, even as much as I know, I still go back to these books because they always teach me something new. So if anybody out there is you know, getting up to speed with ALM with Visual Studio 2013, then you really need to check out this book. It's, 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 it's bound to be great. Cool. Thanks. Yeah, um, I didn't actually uh, vote my names on it. Mostly it was from the stuff I'd already done. It was really uh, Mickey, Martin Hinshelwood and Brian Randall that that did most of the updates in this time around. Um, And they've done a great job from what I've read so far, you know, there's, and it's it's updated for all the stuff in 2013, like the Git stuff as well and and things like that. So um, yeah, looking forward to it. There's actually a book section on the website, so I should update it and include links to these as well. Um, uh, but yeah, and maybe some other books. Greg, you 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 had a book you wanted to call out from a friend of a show. Yeah, absolutely. In uh, show seventy three, a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, a month ago, maybe. Uh, um, Gordon Beaming. Uh, we we mentioned his customizing 
what is the exact title? I want to make sure I get the title right. Uh, TFS customization. Uh, Team Foundation Server 2013 customization is the full-on title. And um, we mentioned it before, but um, this last week I picked up a copy and was reading it. And it's a very fast read. It's one of the packet publishers kind of books. Um, Six chapters, read through it on the train ride to work. And um, I I really, I don't know what I was expecting, but I got much more than what I was expecting. There were some tips in here that I have heard when manning a booth before people asking about, here's an example, you know, um, check-in policies. They want to enforce them and not allow anybody to override it. You know, that, that seemed to be the, always the common one. Well, you have a check-in policy for X, but everybody, you can always override it. And then you put a reason about it. Um, Gordon gives you an example of using a, an extension point in team foundation server on how you can work around that by not using a check-in policy, but actually creating a server plugin that handles those kind of issues. Uh, and, and I just thought I was, I'd actually never heard of, you know, I've been following TFS for oh, a billion you obviously, years. You obviously haven't read the pro TFS book, the last chapter. It <laughs> mentions it in like one paragraph. <laughs> but he goes into any a, of these, an entire exactly. chapter, a whole chapter, a whole yeah, chapter on creating server plugins uh, with an example and using that check-in policy as uh, the, uh, the code example. And he gives you code and everything else. And he talks about the good things and the bad things and how you deploy it and, and that, that kind of stuff. So that was just the one chapter. The, the, another chapter, he talks about creating uh, TFS scheduled jobs which I had not really thought about. And he gives you a good example of why that's kind of good. Um, as a matter of fact, I think you and I, Martin, were talking with somebody and they were talking about they wanted to create a backup of their TFS stuff. And how would you do that? And you know, we said, well, you could create a script on the client that does a get and does all these good kind of things. Well, you know, this scheduled job might be a consideration for that as well because it's running on the server. It has access to all that stuff. Um, it's not really time critical. So maybe a scheduled job. That way you don't have to worry about a client running and, and processing that stuff. And then, of course, he goes into, you know, how do you extend the work items and the web accessibility um, and uh, customizing the build process as well. So, so that's basically, if you are a TFS admin, if people are looking to you to extend uh, TFS, add fields, uh, customize it, do, do that kind of stuff. It doesn't go deep, 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 deep into um, process workflows and how you change Agile to you know the Dungeons and Dragons kind of project template. But um, if you're extending it, you should really check out this book. Definitely. And um, one of the good things about the book is, um, and the packet ones, that it's quite uh, cheap on Kindle. It's only like 10 bucks on Kindle. Yep. Uh, a top tip for people, if um, if you're thinking about buying my book on Kindle, don't yet. I know that's strange advice for an author to give, but uh, hang on a few days because what what typically happens when the book comes out, um, the Kindle prices are actually controlled by Amazon, not the publisher. And so the book goes out and then the Kindle price is set to like basically a percentage below the retail price of the book. And then there's a background job that runs over Amazon, which seems to take like a week or two, where they where they analyze the Kindle prices versus the retail price. And that and Amazon never sell the paper books at the retail price. You know, they always sell them quite heavily discounted. And so um, they have, they go back through again and like revise the Kindle prices to be below what the discounted 
Amazon paper book prices, if you know what I mean. So apologies if you're looking at the Kindle price thinking, you know, how much? But if you wait, if you hang on a, a while, it should come back down to, you know, around the same price as a paper book, but hopefully a little bit less because, you know, you don't have to ship bits of dead tree around the world. But anyway, we'll see. Um, hey, uh, so... Um, Long Lee did a, a blog post um, talking again. It's completely self-serving one, of course, uh, <laughs> but talking about using Git with Coplex. This is kind of um, obviously it's really easy to use Git with Team Foundation Server 2013 from Visual Studio because it just works. But if you want to, you can actually configure any um, external Git repository in Visual Studio. It can be GitHub, can be Coplex, can be Bitbucket, whatever. And he did a great example showing you how to how to configure Git with Coplex in. Visual Studio and doing all the you know a, a run through of the process and then he also showed you how to do uh, the NuGet integration. Actually, had some good tips on on getting NuGet to automatically pull in things uh, you know when you're doing a build and stuff like that. And if you're using Git for version control, you definitely want to be using NuGet as well because you want to be getting away from checking in those uh, binaries. Um, so uh, yeah, it was it was actually a great great video that he did over on YouTube. And again, we'll we'll include a, a link in the show notes. Well, it's about Gosh, that. Greg. Yeah, it's about that time, isn't it? It is, and we have the man here himself, so we should we should bow down and thank him in person. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Yeah, really. Now, how do you go? Where do you go with that? Well, we'll just yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, episode 76 of Radio TFS is brought to you by Paul. No, brought to you by SAS Made Easy, a leader in hosted TFS, dedicated virtual servers, and TFS ALM consulting. You can reach them at www.sasmadeeasy.com or via email at sales at S-A-A-S-M-A-D-E-E-A-S-Y.com. And again, got to thank them for helping us uh, bring you the show. Now. Definitely. Speaking yeah, of Paul. Business? Yeah, how's business been, Paul? Have you business been doing lots of good. upgrades and things? Business is good. Lots of upgrades. Um, I haven't done any 2013 update one or update two upgrades. I believe we're on update two, right? Is that what it is? Yeah. Uh, we just RTM to update two last week. Yeah, month. that's yep. right. That's right. Update two came out last week. That's right. Yeah, I've done one upgrade to RTM uh, to update one, uh, but mainly my upgrades have been coming from 2012 to 2013. Uh, RTM at this point. Um, and so, yeah, I've been doing a few of those. And, um, you know, I've been doing a lot of is uh, speaking. Um, so a lot of my time has been taken up going to conferences, um, just small conferences around the country. But I've been flying around the country just speaking here and there about TFS and ALM and Visual Studio and all kinds of things. Um, so, yeah, but speaking of upgrades, um, there's a blog post by Ramit. I'm going to ruin this name. Ramit Gulati. I believe that's how he pronounces it. And he's talking about upgrading from your 2013 TFS RTM to your update two of uh, TFS 2013. And so there's some things you have to know about it. When you first started upgrading TFS back in the day, um, you'd have to uninstall TFS and then reinstall it with the upgrade bits and then go through the upgrade configuration. Then they kind of got away from that and you didn't have to uninstall it. You could just do the upgrade. Now we're back to uninstalling again. Um, the 2013 RTM and then installing your 2013 R, um, update two bits and then going through the upgrade process. 
And the upgrade process is pretty similar to what you've seen on a, if you've done this before to other ones. Um, you go, you click, you know, you select the upgrade option and you go through yes, yes, no, fill in some accounts. The one nice thing about this though is now with update two, you can, you actually get a screen where you can change your TFS cache. So you can decide where do I want to put my cache? If you don't want it on the C drive, maybe you have your C is for basic stuff and you have D for data and things like that. I see that in a lot of places. Your cloud from the C drive is really, really small as well, isn't it? And you want exactly. a nice, and you've got a massive B or E drive on those servers, you know. Exactly. So, so, um, so, so you can take advantage of that now with this, and that's, that's really cool. That's really the one thing I wanted to point out about it. Other than that, it's pretty painless upgrade. Um, you know, it, they've just gotten really good. I really am happy with the way Microsoft has come along with with the upgrade process. I don't like uninstalling, granted, but you know, the rest of the stuff works real well. And at the end of the day, when you upgrade, I've had maybe one or two failures and all the time I've been doing upgrades of TFS from 2010 to 12 to 13. And, and so, yeah, I, I'm really happy with this. And so, yeah, you'll go on and review the show notes and go out there and, uh, and check out that blog post if you're going to be upgrading to update two of TFS 2013. Yeah. Friend of the show, Angela Dugan did a great uh, blog post as well, talking about, you know, some of the favorite features in the, in the latest update. I think it was like tags and charting were her, you know, the test stuff as well were her call outs. Obviously the tags, I'd I'd forgotten tags was new. (laughs) So uh, I'm just using it all the time. So yeah, it's great to see that in there. Now answer me this now with tags with update two, you can do querying on tags now, correct? You need the you need the Visual Studio update to do the query. You need side. Visual it's Studio update. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and if you save a query with with tag stuff in, um, it still works in older versions of Visual Studio in the Eclipse client and stuff. But yeah, there's so they did quite a lot of interesting work on the back and pat side Very there. Cool. So. Very cool. It's all cool. And then um, over on the TFS setup blog, uh, we did a blog post, you know, detailing some best practices if you are thinking about doing an update. Uh, just, you know, just some stuff like make sure you, you know, get all your latest updates. Make sure you've got room in SQL. Make sure you've got all your permissions ready so you know what all the user IDs need to be. And then think about doing trial upgrades and things like that. So it's a good blog post to just go through if you are nervous about doing that upgrade. Um, Romit did that along with. Uh, so if you want to just um, go in and and uh, and take a look through that that post, it's worth doing. If you if you're a little bit nervous at all, one of the other themes at Build, one of the things they like to demo a lot was Application Insights. Application Insights was all over the place, really, um, and that is a uh, gives you the ability to get telemetry from your web applications. It's a service, and they really emphasize that a lot. It's not just web applications either. It can, it can. I mean, we have it configured for CodePlex, mm-hmm. but you can actually configure it for your, your mobile app. So you're using the Office Remote mobile app. You know, the, um, the have you seen that one? Yeah, the one yeah, where yeah, you yeah. Can connect. That's a cool yeah, app, man. That's got app on. That's got app insights built into it, and so we can actually, you know, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, and you can do mobile apps like say an iOS or an Android, and you can actually get data from these um, mobile applications and from your real applications being fed into app insights as well, not just web apps. Okay, so yeah, I was, I was, I was really unsure, but I thought that too. But every all the demos and everything I would see, they would always talk about the web apps, and that's that's what they were showing off and stuff. So it's good. The, the the one thing that I would really like to see is to have this come inside the firewall and, and they were they would not announce that or talk about that at all. They were very insistent that this is a service that's running outside the firewall. Um, and, and I can understand that, but I really, you know, for my line of business applications, I'd really like to add this kind of telemetry to them and, you know, 
keep it inside because we're that. Now I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember. Oh, I shouldn't be blanking on this because I know them really well. There is a company that does this. Uh, um, oh, you know who I mean. It, it was in Visual Studio 2012. Yeah, 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 yeah. They did the obfuscation stuff, um, and then they provided the runtime. I'm, I'm going to get a up while we're talking because this is going to annoy me. You're not talking about preemptive, are you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you are. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, preemptive yeah. analytics. Yeah, and, and they had that same kind of thing. I looked at that, and it was... Uh, you know, personally, I'd rather have something free from Microsoft. Uh, the product was good; it was great, actually. And there was a lot of telemetry, and there was a lot of ways you could you can you know customize it and and do it on build and and make it pretty seamless and stuff. But uh, the the demonstration of application insights and the, the stuff that you could get from it was really exciting. It was really cool, uh, and that's why you, you know trying to take that kind of analytics and can kind of combine it with System Center. You know, yeah. it's kind of like all those combined. It's pretty amazing. So if you guys are interested in this, um, there's a great post. Uh, Charles Sterling highlights a, a series of posts from Kevin Green. And Kevin goes through uh, eight level, a deep dive, of eight different deep dives on uh, application insights from what it is, getting started, building a demo server, deploying that web application, and then the different monitoring of availability, performance, and utilization, working with the dashboards, and finally alerting an administration. He, he goes through these in detail. So if you're interested in this, if, you, if you've not heard about application insights, just go through his eight-level deep dives. If you need more, there's a great deal of it uh, from the build 2014. You can just filter for application insights and see all the sessions that related to it as well. Um, it, it's really kind of, if, if you are building something that's external, that's outside, that's a web service, or it's a mobile app, uh, something that's not inside the firewall, you, you really need to look at this. And it's not even necessarily just for .NET, like Martin was saying, iOS, Android, it allows you to roll up. Well, JavaScript, yeah. I mean, you do a lot of JavaScript eventing and stuff like that. It's pretty neat. Cool. So, Martin, tell us. Yeah, um, oh, yeah so... Yeah, so Matthias uh, Skold did a um, – he did a, he's in, gone and implemented a feature that I was trying to get added to TFS. So I was like, oh, in one, one way, I'm really happy. On the other way, I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> so it's brilliant. Basically, um, what, what I've heard quite a lot of people ask is um, to be able to get a notification when a work item changes. You know, that's basically they just want they just want to know when when something happens to to a to a work item. And uh, so Matthias has gone and done a plugin into Visual Studio to do exactly that. So you know, it's um, it just comes in and lets you know when things change and alert him or alert people when uh, specific work items get changed. You can do it today, but you have to go in and know to go into the alert section, you know, and then go create an alert for a specific work item ID. It's not very easy to set up, and so he's just made this a, a heck of a lot easier for you. So um, if you go over, he's got it posted up on Visual Studio Gallery, go install it into Visual Studio. And if you want to know when your work items get changed, then off you go. You, you can do that right now. Just a quick one. Paul? Oh, so, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to the background noise there, if you didn't catch that. Um, so, yeah, so 
one, like I mentioned before, I've been doing a lot of speaking. And one of the things I've been speaking about is Microsoft's offering of load test service or load test in the cloud. And, and so you, if you have a Visual Studio account and you can go to visualstudio.com and get an account, you can start to use their load test service. And so what's great about this is you don't need to spend money on hardware right now. Um, and you get some Azure benefits, um, already. And so they're using Azure as, as for the load testing. What you can do is you can actually spin up your uh, load test and push them out to the um, to to Microsoft service and do the load testing out there, and it spins up as many services that are needed. You don't need to worry about like, oh, do I need three servers or five servers or ten servers? You know, it understands how much load you're pushing out there and, and can scale um, to an incredible amount. And obviously, it's Azure. Um, but yeah, yeah, they is, they have more bandwidth than they have more bandwidth than you do, regardless exactly. of who you are. This is this is this is awesome, and and so I'm demoing this, and this is great because um I use my Surface now for almost everything I do, and and so I'm de- I'm demoing this on a Surface running Visual Studio, doing my load tests through wireless to Azure, and it's and it's it's just going along, it's just clicking along. I was I was really 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 impressed with with this service, and so a lot of people haven't heard about this. I was really surprised at the number of people that actually have never heard about load test service in the cloud. Microsoft it's so I, easy to do as well, isn't it? You just basically just toggle a switch. It like is. It's it, it's once you set up your load test, you get your load your load test settings file or your load settings file. Um, and your settings file has a switch in there. Basically, you say either run this local or run it in the cloud. And of course, you have to have your Visual Studio Online account. Um, but once you have that, you're ready to go. Uh, so yeah, so, um, Microsoft has, um, on MSDN, they have a blog post that has, like, um, getting started, the preview and early adopters program. And it has a lot of different information about getting started with the service, what the service is, how do you use it. All types of stuff. And what's really nice is the dashboard for Visual Studio Online tells you how many virtual minutes you get a month. So um, you can keep track of, like, you, you know, how much you get with your MSDN benefits. Um, and you get a ridiculous amount when you've it, got Ultimate. I, I've it's never crazy. used it. Right now, I have 2 million minutes a month. <laughs> That's a lot of compute power, man. Or compute time, man. That's that's a lot of load testing. Yeah. yeah. Now, I don't know how that's going to change when this stuff goes goes live and it's it's generally available available and you have to pay for it. I don't know if that's going to change. Available now, actually. Is it? Well, yeah, well, is well, it now? Yeah, but but with your ultimate subscription, I think that's um that it's your ultimate subscription that's paying for it. It's not it's not anything else. So, yeah, it's crazy. Right, right, right. I, I didn't know it was actually live. I still thought it was in, in, in the early adopter preview stage. Uh, I, I might be wrong. I don't know. I've, I I know we went generally available with TFS. With, yes, with I know. Digital. I know. Yeah, so yeah. it might anyway, be. carry on. But yeah, yeah. So no, if you're doing load testing or thinking about load testing, which you should be doing because you should be load testing, um, you know, you go. You want to look at the service. You really do. So my favorite story about the load testing stuff is it being used for the NORAD NORAD tracker. You know, to make sure like because the the Santa tracker site for NORAD is a great example of a site that you know has basically zero traffic for most of the year and then a peak on on, on December twenty fourth. And you you don't want to disappoint those kiddies. So they right, did a bunch right. of load testing on it and it actually worked. So that was good. We used it a bit as well. We on Coplex recently because we wanted to make sure we were going to um, stand up to the load when. Anders Halsberg sits on stage and presses the publish button. I was uh, for, on Roslyn. <laughs> I was a tiny little bit nervous about that moment, and uh, and uh, so I just wanted to make sure everything was good. And we were putting some new, uh, we put some new 
uh, web tears in in the stream and things like that as well. So I just wanted to give them a hammering, and it was brilliant. You just went bang, 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 and off you go. You don't need to set up any infrastructure, and then when you're done, you're done. You don't need to, you know, you don't need to stand down any boxes. It's so easy. It's, you've got no excuse yeah. not to load test anymore. And I was just going to say, if you're not load testing, I want you to go out and I want you to do a search on Click Frenzy, and I want you to go read about Click Frenzy and why load testing is important. Um, because uh, you'll you'll find out real quick. You know, the, those people that aren't load testing should be, and here's a great reason why you can at a, at an inexpensive cost, if any cost. Sounds good. Hey, Greg, any the, we must it must be that time of the show. Is is it the Rangers? <laughs> Getting to be Got that time. From the yeah. Rangers? Yeah, uh, um, cool. r- real quick, we'll actually include this in the show notes as well. While while they were talking, I was of course doing my Bing thing, and yeah, the uh, it is generally available. It was released just the fourth of April. They yeah, announced it, was, it being uh, generally available. So during build. Yep. Cool. That's what I thought. Uh, and the other thing, you know, just to tie into my previous talk, when you create a web test, you can actually use that as part of the application insights. They have that performance, monitoring performance. You can create that complicated web test um, that you, you that you may use in your cloud testing um, and upload that to application insights. And then application insights will constantly gather those metrics for you as well. So it's not true, you know, um, uh, performance testing or click testing or anything else, but you, it's, you can reuse those resources is what I'm trying to get at with that. Alrighty. So yeah. App, um, ALM Rangers, we actually don't have much news from them. At least I didn't see. Uh, I, well, we had G- Gordon. Gordon's a ranger. That oh, well, there you counts. go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and they are working. I, I did see a couple posts. Uh, uh, Willie P uh, posted a couple things, but no earth Nino's shattering. a ranger as well. I'm just going through this thing thinking about who's well, a ranger on this list. Here we go. So we, we kind of have had rangers. <laughs> Carry on. But, Another one of the themes from Build is that they, they talk about the feedback. And, you know, and I know from the outside, I like seeing Microsoft, they talk about this feedback and, yeah, we're listening to you. And I also see on the other side, I see a lot of people complaining, um, I wish Microsoft would do this. Why don't they do that? They never listen to us. Um, this post from Imo Landreth talks about these feedback points and the different areas where your feedback, the people out there, you listening, how your feedback impacted the product um, and what action the teams took in what different area, like the reference source, uh, the, the, the SIMD, SIMD support that was added, .NET native, portable class libraries, cross-platform stuff, those areas, the um, user voice items that were created, the number of votes, and, and how the team truly listened to that and how those drove the product. 10,000 votes were done out there, um, and those votes drove what you and I use every day or will be using here in the near future. Your feedback matters. Sure does. One of the, one of my favorite moments of build was, um, you know, I'd been in the keynote, uh, you know, backstage, like making sure Coplex stayed up when Anders pressed the publish button on Rosalind and then got back to the speaker room afterwards and sat down and realized that, uh, Kevin on the team had gone in and, and updated user voice and marked, uh, open source .NET compiler as, as complete in user voice. I was like, yes. So that was actually how I blogged about it or tweeted about it. I was like, this one, you know, this one took a little while, but it's, we've 
finally closed it out. So, yeah, we definitely do listen to those user voice comments. And the more votes we can knock off, the better. It does feel really good when you get a load of votes done. And, you know, you, it, it gives you good bragging rights inside the company, put it that way. Inside baseball question, does that mm. become part of any sort of project success me- uh, metric or... Uh, so it's not directly in your um, in responding to providing evidence um, as to that you're responding to feedback does for sure. Um, actual direct number of votes on user voice doesn't, but uh, you know it's what it's it being able to demonstrate that you're responding to feedback does, and you know okay. user voice is one channel, and then there's another one which is um, like. Um, this scrim, so we call it scrim data. The, the, you know, when you tick on that customer improvement program box, right? Um, that that sends us data that we call that scrim data. I have no idea what S- SQM. I have no idea what that stands for. I can't even think. I should. I could look it up. I'll go to HTTP WAC TLA inside the network while we're talking. But the um, uh, so we, yeah, we listen to that, and then also things like Doctor Watson traces. You know, if you if um, so many people, you know, when you say send a crash report. Um, so many of those then we get picked up in connect bugs as well as another thing if you do something in connect that that lands straight into our uh, tfs instance it's just there as a work item <laughs> instantly um so uh, yeah all of those are really good ways of doing it and an email emails go around as well uh with to very um senior level people like saying where we are and if if a group's not responding to feedback then they get you know t- they get it's good they get tutted at and things like that so it's all good it looks like it's a software quality matrix maybe oh, yeah. I don't know. or I don't software know. quality management software quality metrics yeah so this, i'm not on the vpn in it so i can't i can't actually find out but yeah i'll look it up sometime how dare i say but yeah that's we, so but it's the customer improvement checkbox thing all, all that data does actually come to us and you know lands and you know when you have a little smiley face and frowny face thing yeah. as well all that lands you know i can i can go in and look up the sentiments of people and go get feedback on the stuff and we track all that sort of thing so you can't beat data because people lie it turns out and, uh, no but, but yeah um there's only a certain you know you listen to people and stuff and you get a certain feedback but the feedback's always if you only listen to verbal feedback you get a very biased view so you've got to look at the data as well and, and combine the two Okay, well, that's about that's the show. It's been a good show. Great to have you back, Paul. And, no, it's great uh, to be back, to guys. Speak to yeah, yeah, good to speak to you again on the phone as well, Greg. It was, it was a bit freaky having you in person. So <laughs> this is a lot easier. Yeah, you made fun of my bald head and everything. That that was good that was experience. pretty impressive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, for a long, that was that was good. I got used to it by the end of the show. It was just a shock when I first saw you. I was like, oh. <laughs> You know, I don't know how many people actually have reached up and rubbed my head. I, I, you might be a unique person in that one, Martin. <laughs> really, I was very. I wanted to get some magic wishes. You know? <laughs> cool. It was, it was good seeing you and great talking to you again, Paul. Um, if anybody's got any feedback, I think it's about time we did some interviews. Now we've got some stuff shipped out the door. So uh, let us know who you'd like us to go to speak to. We'll, we'll line that up. Um, if you email radiotfs at outlook.com. Or you can drop us a voicemail on 425-233-8379. Okay, thank you very much for your time, and we'll speak to you next time on Radio TFS. <laughs>